for some reason the PSAs aren't playing. Oh, well, we don't need those. We don't need those. We're not legally bound. We're not? I don't think so. We should make up a PSA. We could. Wait, I, I didn't bring my tambourine. Don't eat fast food. Is that a good one? I like that. Good, we'll go with it and riff on it. You got another one? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I don't know if we can disparage any particular fast food restaurants, but know in your hearts and your souls that they are all evil. Fast food, a slow death. Yes, fast food equals slow death. And it contributes to outbreaks of pandemics such as the swine flu, which we will be talking to you about soon soon <laughs> on today's episode of vegan mofo radio radio yes it's just the two of us tonight once again just the two of us yeah we've been abandoned tofu hand in hand just the two of us you and me scotty yep all our co-hosts have gone off to far off lands girls don't like us anymore i don't know we, we were considering you know another another dude a, a guy whose name is, um, what, Hodges or something, right? Oh, let's not spoil the surprise. What? <laughs> hey, it'll it'll be a surprise to me if he shows up. Do you hear about the farmer that blew up his pig pen? No. Yeah, swine flu. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, Jesus. That's not a very humane That's joke. not a vegan joke at all. <laughs> I actually remember that joke from when I was younger and the... the the other sl- swine flu that happened in the 70s or something. Right. I didn't even really understand what swine flu was at the time. Uh-huh. But for some reason, I always remember that joke. Yeah, I remember the word I always heard was, it comes from Asia, from intensive farming that they do there. Oh, yeah. Those you Asians. Because they keep their pigs in close quarters. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Well, it turns out that, uh, <clears throat> well, according to Dr. Michael Greger, this, this um, pandemic has... Uh, eight genes, six of them are from um, North Carolina swine flu outbreak of 1998, mm-hmm. and two of the genes are from uh, European or Eurasian. Eurasian? I'll go with that. Is that Eurasian? a place? Eurasia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. Um, and yeah, and uh, so it's it's like this combination, and it's got it's. What that one guy say? It was like a uh, chimera. 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 A chimera. chimera I, I learned how to pronounce that from uh, from one of the uh, Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> well, you can learn a lot from action movies, and really. The, and the cure for a chimera? Balafon. Chimera. Check out your Greek myths. You'll Born in a fecal pool of pig lagoon. Yeah, well, that's the apparently the thing, you know. They've got these big lagoon. They call them lagoons. Lagoon. You know, lagoon. Remember when uh, we used to watch Gilligan's Island? They would go down to the lagoon. Oh yeah. They wouldn't want to go down to this lagoon because there would be a giant cloud of flies and pig poo and unbearable stench, and they would be they would become ill, and Ginger would not (laughs) (laughs) would not look good like after she completely lost her lunch. I don't know. I I suspect Marianne was. Oh, Marianne. You know, which was your favorite? Oh, it had to be Marianne, definitely. Really? Yeah. Well, Mrs. Howell was kind of kind of cool. <laughs> you know, in her own way. Yeah. You know, she kept she didn't say a lot, but when when she did, it was always right on. It was always a hoot with that Miss Howell. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so this is some some serious uh, fecal matter going on here with the swine flu. Yeah, I mean, it's getting a slow start in the States, um, but you might say a quick start. I don't know. It's hard I to say. Well, we're the, we're the second most effective country, affected country by, uh-huh. by it. We've had a death. Yep. And close to the, you know, what do we got? A hundred people here and there's... Well, there's thousands of people have infected in Mexico. 200 have died. Yeah, yeah, it was very bad there, and um, no one's quite sure why it was especially bad. You know, about, about one in ten people got it died, I think, something like that. Yeah, I guess, well, at the beginning they didn't uh, know what it was, so a lot of people went in with the symptoms and then didn't get treated. Right, but the uh, the big warning sign for the, you know, that it may be pandemic quality is that it's healthier people. Uh, with stronger immune systems that are succumbing to the uh, the flu. And the reason is because there's a, a chain reaction that apparently happens in your immune system where these uh, cytokines get produced and they are supposed to be suppressed by some other system, but the other system can't keep up and there ends up being like a, I don't know, some chain reaction and basically your organs fail after a period of time. Your own immune system kills you. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, your cells just explode from too much... Uh, too much hard work. <laughs> so I don't know what the solution is. Uh, suppress your immune system. There were some jo- <laughs> joking articles saying you should smoke lots of marijuana and drink lots of tequila and, you know, suppress your immune system so that you won't succumb to the swine flu. Well, speaking of drinking tequila, um, today's guest <laughs> <laughs> is Ed Coffin is, uh, promotes vegan drinks in Philadelphia. Um, some, of, some of the local listeners may have heard of green drinks. Have you heard of that? Uh, only the general term. Yeah, well, every month here and around in different places around the area, there's uh, green drinks where all the environmentally green, sustainability-minded people mm-hmm. go to meet at a bar and drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I see. They want to. They're but just. I, I assume it's also for networking and. Yeah. And uh, drowning your sorrows or something. What I do to my private ecosystem is my business. (laughs) (laughs) But Ed Ed is a very um, passionate activist in Philadelphia, and um, he also has a site called eatingconsciously.com, which is about eating consciously. Ed, well, we'll get the lowdown, but I I feel like uh, Ed's from around here and relocated to Philadelphia. Why do you feel that? I don't know. It's just this psychic sense I have. Huh. Well. I could be wrong. We'll see. I haven't, (laughs) I I don't know anything about that. I think around here is Philadelphia, actually. Everyone seems to be Philly's not that far away. It's not that far. No. Right next door. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we got, we got big news with this uh, bird flu. We could talk about it for hours because it's really a swine flu, (laughs) but it's got, it's got bird flu mixed in with it. No. No. That was an initial report suggested that there was a mixture of avian and swine, but um, ah. they've since rescinded that uh, assertion uh, after looking at it more closely. Rescinding assertions first yes. on Vegan Radio. You <laughs> heard it first. <laughs> That's right. Not everybody gets to rescind assertions, but... Well, I've been keeping up, you know. I, I've got the news, uh, you know, constantly f- going uh, on my on my laptop or my desktop as I work. Um, when I'm not You're watching. You're like the epicenter of news. When I'm not watching the reruns of Lost, I'm, <laughs> I'm w- watching the news very carefully. Uh, but uh, I actually have a few stories related to 
the uh, swine flu, but I didn't want to get too much into it because I'm sure people are really just sick to death Inundated. of hearing about the swine flu. Uh, but you think so? There was one article I remember you were pulling up from uh, what was it? Uh, the Guardian, right? And uh, the one in particular, the guy called it a genetic chimera. Um, and I really, I really liked a lot of the things that the uh, the writer of this article, Mike Davis, had to say. And uh, I know you're you're quoting it for our flyer for the weekend. Oh well, let's not talk about that. <clears throat> no, we can't <laughs> give that away yet. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm trying to finish it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, it, it might just be a theoretical flyer. I don't know. The, uh, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Uh, but yeah, some of the things that that he uh, he had said was. Um, that uh, well, on the one hand, it's a it's a chimera. But his, his, the thrust of his article it's called "The Swine Flu Crisis Lays Bare the Meat Industry's Monstrous Power." It's a mouthful, but uh, indeed it does. It shows uh, how much political clout the uh, meat industry has when it comes to um, you know um, trying to play down their particular role in the whole situation. Uh, obviously, you know the, there's certainly a, a market component to this. People want cheap meat, and the cheapest way to produce it is to uh, put animals into un- inhumane conditions and, you know, basically just uh, volume, 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 and in Confined the small space. animal feeding operations. You know, but... C-F- C-A-F-O, that's the, that's the new buzzword for factory farm. Yeah, which stands for... Confined animal feeding operations. Wow. Okay, so these CAFOs... Are yeah, they are are seriously ridiculous. Um, and you know, I mean, in other industries, okay, say you're producing, you know, widgets, <laughs> toothpicks, I don't know, whatever, you know, go ahead, do it. I don't care. You can move it all into an outhouse. Who cares? Crowd all those toothpicks as tightly together as you want. Yes, but I mean, we're talking about um, living systems, and you know, our we're trying to intensively, you know, concentrate them, and then just you know, when the, when diseases emerge, just Beat them over the head with antibiotics, which only, which only uh, reduce the populations of the non-resistant strains of, an, of, uh, you know, bacteria and viruses. So, uh, you know, we we certainly can see this coming, and we're certainly accelerating the rate at which this happens. Uh, other other plagues, uh, or well, we won't call this a plague, but other pandemics that have emerged have tended to come from the same kind of situation. Is a plague worse than a pandemic? <coughs> pandemic. Um, it's the same thing, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a worldwide or large population gets something and, uh, you know, plagues tend to be very fast. They, they sweep and people die very quickly. Um, and you know, well, now there's some, there's some talk in uh, Mexico that it's leveled off and being contained and all this. So. Mm-hmm. And that, but, um, I'm reading an article here in the guardian. It says uh, in the 1918 Spanish flu outbreak, which killed tens of millions of people, came in a series of increasingly lethal waves. Mm-hmm. What do you yep. think about that? Well, that's that's the problem. <laughs> you know, we don't have, until our bodies know this virus, which apparently is an H1N1 variety, um, which, you know, we know some. That's uh, what Obama likes to call it. He doesn't want to implicate the uh, factory farm pig farms i think yeah he calls it the h1n1 virus is that, that is? your obama impersonation no i'm, I'm working on it it's, it's, <laughs> it'll come soon sounds like somebody else i know but i can't figure it <laughs> can't quite place it i have to learn to speak very 
stiltedly like a politician. I'm working on it. Uh, but um, yeah, the uh, the H1N1 uh, virus, you know, we know some H1N1s and our body tries to deal with them. Um, so, I mean, you get this virus and your body goes, oh, well, that's something I don't want. And then, of course, it goes to try and eliminate it, but in the process only uh, gets caught up, gets it mucks itself up. Um, I mean, there is a, there is a high, uh, certainly a high probability, and I, I don't want to make any light of this, that uh, people we know, people you and I and everyone we're talking to knows may succumb to this virus. Uh, so it's, could, it could be quite real. And, and certainly I think what also it, it lays bare <laughs> is that, uh, you know, our response, we don't really know what to do. You know, it's kind of like uh, when uh, Katrina hit, where all, everyone just sort of, or, or when, uh, you know, 9-11 happened, everyone sort of stood around dumbfounded and then tried to posture and point fingers at who should have done what when. And the fact is, we're, nobody's doing anything. And if and those who may know what to do really don't have seem to have much of a voice or power, which is why I think, you know, the world should be run by scientists. Uh, <laughs> well, the world should be run by vegan activists. Come on, Scotty. What? You forgot what show this is. Come this on. This isn't Science Friday. What are you kidding? Oh. Yeah. Science leads you to uh, to a reasonable conclusion. Veganism uh, is no. what you would eventually come to. Uh, but, you know, so I'm just saying. We're just on two different sides of the issue here. I'm just saying, you know, I think we're, I think we're, we're coming to a consensus. Mm-hmm. Reason, you know, a reasonable response to this would be great, but you know, we're still in the age of power might makes right. The United States has just warned China and other countries not to ban pork. Don't you dare, China! I know, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't want to anger the Chinese too much since they own us, but <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, now there's this posturing about you guys are banning our pork that's stupid there's no reason for that you know and i think the the, they're saying uh you know well as long as you cook the meat you'll be fine you know people don't get viruses from eating you know pork but you know the fact is if we're shipping you know even frozen or whatever stuff across the ocean people who are handling that could potentially come into contact with the virus just um, because it's in the cells of of the animal so uh it's probably a good idea um and all this uh posturing by the industry no ban our meat uh is is just kind of um embarrassing uh given the severity of the, the potential severity of the situation so yeah uh, same old same old yep so once again politicians people in the industry uh totally brainless on the we issue. are led by the least among us <laughs> and a little child shall lead us and his name shall be george if only we had a little child to lead us um yep it's your true uh in this in in sad news this week uh bia arthur uh animal activist and mod findley is that how you say bia uh golden girl is it Bo? bia bia arthur yeah bia um i never watched mod but I could I could probably sing the theme song for you. <laughs> and then there's Mod. Then there's Mod. Um yeah, well Mod uh Mod died. And uh and Mod has gone on to see God. Yeah, and a, a great loss to the uh to the animal rights um uh what do I want to call it? Community. Community, yeah. I was gonna say kingdom. <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> the animal rights kingdom. She was our you know, she was our great uh 
Dame. Moore. One of them, one of them. Um, There's and, still some more. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore is still with us. <clears throat> Indeed she is. And that other golden girl. Yes. Whose name I can't. <laughs> we got a few. Betty White, are you thinking of? No, no. No? All right. Well, all those golden Rue girls. Rue McClanahan. Rue McClanahan. Yes, of course. That's who, I, that's, you know, that's who I was thinking of, too. Betty White. How silly. Betty White. Is she a golden girl? <laughs> no, I think she, it wasn't. She was on the Mary Tyler Moore show or something, wasn't she? Uh, anyhow. Oh, Lou. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, the global meat trade has, in fact, been hit by the swine flu. Going back to that issue again. Um, yes, the international meat trade appears to be ignoring official advice that swine flu cannot be caught by eating pork. So uh, there are trade barriers going up. Russia, China, Indonesia, Serbia, and Ecuador are among the countries to have imposed bans from Mexico and the U.S. Free the pigs. So, you know, um, on the bright side, you know, the, um, the pork industry is um, being hurt by this, inc- this uh, incident. And, well, well, they should be. They should learn something. And I don't know how, how else they learn except getting a, a whack in the head. Karmic retribution. <clears throat> Uh, if you believe in that stuff. Canada had already begun a uh, a meat labeling action against the United States um, just on their own meat initiative. Meat labeling action. Yep. Uh, yep. Canadian pork exports uh, to the U.S. have dropped by more, more than 40% this year, um, uh, which has been attributed to these new regulations because apparently there's you know more serious labeling regulations in Canada, um, and they would like us to adopt that and they're trying to use World Trade Organization pressure to get us to do that. So hopefully that'll work. Meanwhile, <laughs> I don't want to do that one. That's, that's not really a vegan story. That's more about air. I have this air pollution story, but I'll skip it. Air pollution. Uh, I would like to point out that there is a great book out now called uh, Herb, the Vegetarian Dragon. That just came out. I thought that was. I've heard of that before. I think. Have you? Well, it may be, it may be a while. It may have been. Maybe out this for a is while. a sequel. Oh, what am I looking at? 1999. Why am I reading a review of a book from 1999? <laughs> I got to read these more carefully. Well, it's probably still a good book. Well, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Anyhow, unless unless Herb has has gone off the vegan diet since then. Is the is the this vegetarian dragon? Or maybe maybe the animated series is about to come out or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's uh, illustrated by uh, Debbie Harder and written by Jules Bass. Uh, and yeah, Herb the Vegetarian Dragon. I had no idea that there was such a book, but uh, I'm sure we'll... I wonder if he's a friend of Albie the Racist <coughs> Dragon. I don't know. You know, I mean, they. well, that would be the, you know, in the conservative re- religion, you know, Republican household, maybe that would be their book, whereas, you know, us neoliberal, <laughs> us, uh, you know, progressive liberals... Uh, Albie would the have racist dragon. The f- <laughs> Albie, the, why would he mean Albie? Uh, <laughs> here's a hilarious story from thenewsobserver.com. Uh, Industry sees vegan agenda in puppy bill. Puppy bill. That's right. States meat producers fear the U.S. Humane Society has hidden motives. Oh my lord. In Raleigh, North Carolina, meat industries are battling a bill the Humane Society of the United States and its vegan president. <laughs> he's Wayne vegan. Vassell. That's right. Say, is, if he really liked fish, they'd be like, oh, he's showing some of a fish. Uh, it's <laughs> meant to protect puppies, warning instead that it is the first step toward ending meat eating as we know it. Excellent. Go, he, Wayne. 
they, I guess what they're tra- what North Carolina's meat industry is saying is like we don't really want to rule out having puppies as some of the stuff we sell. So this would not, you know, <laughs> like if if somehow cows and pigs like you know succumb to a disease and they're they're all gone, we want to have access to the puppies. And here's the Humane Society. Yeah. To, so. Uh, apparently, the Humane Society has made North Carolina a top priority in the fight for tougher animal welfare laws. For the first time, deploying a lobbyist to work as a full session uh, for a full session in the state legislature. Uh, agribusiness groups uh, predict a repeat of the tighter farm animal laws that California approved last year in an HSUS-backed voter referendum. That measure included a requirement that egg-laying hens live in an area big enough for them to extend their wings a mandate that opponents said was so cost-prohibitive it would drive egg producers out of business. Yay! Yeah, well, of course, they'll, they'll make chickens with smaller wings now. Uh, they'll just <laughs> sell uh, happy eggs that are <clears throat> twice as much, but people feel it's worth the money because their consciousness will, consciousses will be That's right. relieved. Uh, the eggs are empty now. Who cares? Uh, the public is very unaware that the Humane Society of the United States has a very direct agenda to eliminate the use of animals for food, says Kay Johnson, executive vice president of the Animal Agriculture Alliance, a livestock industry supported group based in Washington. These words can stir fear in the number two pork producing state, the home of a $5.7 billion meat industry in 2007. Agribusiness groups are notifying their members about the HSUS backed bill and plan to speak out in legislative committee meetings hopefully repeating some of the same lies that Kay Johnson has uh, already said. Wayne Passell, Humane Society president and CEO, said the organization would like to see California-style restrictions nationwide, either by law or voluntarily imposed by livestock industries. The group is not pushing to ban meat-eating, said Passell, who is a strict vegan uh, who eats no animal products. He is quoted in news articles in the early 90s calling for a ban on all hunting. Would he like to see the end of meat as food? Why, yes. This paragraph asks, That is an unachievable idea given our present set of facts. The end goal for me as CEO of the organization is to minimize the pain and stress animals endure in a variety of industry uses of them, Passell said. My own personal dietary habits have nothing to do with our policy and our work. Nor your local pound. Consumers might easily mistake the Humane Society for their local dog and cat animal shelter, but the two are separate operations. The National Group provides services such as grants and training that help those local shelters, and it operates shelters for wildlife and horses in California, Massachusetts, Oregon, and Texas. The HSUS is trying to help out from the top down, said David Miller, executive director of one of those dog and cat shelters, the Humane Society of Charlotte. That's confusing for people sometimes. But the House Agriculture Committee is expected soon to hear a bill pushed by the National Humane Society that regulates and imposes licensing for commercial dog breeding. Some dog enthusiasts oppose the bill, but its proponents portray it as a crackdown on puppy mills, such as the one that was raided in Goldsboro in February because of unsanitary conditions. Yeah, I don't think anybody likes puppy mills, frankly. Somebody does. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of animal cruelty going on in North Carolina on so many levels, said uh, Amanda Arrington from the HSUS. Uh, She's the state director and lobbyist. Arrington's arrival last year signaled the group's elevated interest in that state. They've deployed 35 state directors, but only one brief period previously installed as staffer in North Carolina. So in addition to the drug breeding bill, the group is backing legislation that would prohibit keeping a dog on a tether. And uh, yeah, so it sounds like they're not doing anything except trying to protect dogs. So this is a just funny. <coughs> uh, we're going to take a little musical interlude 
You've been listening to um, Vegan Radio on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM, Northampton, Massachusetts. This next artist is Amanda Rogers, who is a vegan. She's on tour, hopefully, with uh, this Tofu Tour, which Tofu is a new zine that just came out and um, about veganism. And uh, they're apparently having some trouble at the Canadian border getting Amanda through today. Oh, no. But uh, we're going to play this uh, song of hers called Hibernating, which might be what we should all do during the swine flu epidemic. Right, Scotty? If it helps. Give me a prop. (laughs) (laughs) Booyah. Booyah. (laughs) Here we go. Get up in the morning, I put on a smile and I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I'm missing something, I'm looking for it, but my flows are freezing, they're stealing all my freedom. In this season I love, I leave my buttons undone, I'm tour with tofu <laughs> you can check that out i love tofu.ca they're from canada and a very cool little magazine their I little say. catchphrase is living and breathing in a world that smells fishy hmm <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i want to walk into the room where where that statement is being made <laughs> um, it is kind of fishy in here have you noticed so we have Ed Coffin on the line. Hello. You call yourself a uh, vegan extraordinaire, self-proclaimed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've uh, I've been calling myself down here. And I'm uh, just to get the record straight. I'm not from Northampton, Massachusetts, originally. Are you sure? 
I'm sure. <laughs> All yeah, right. I'm pretty sure. I'm actually from New Jersey. Oh. All right, then. Well, I wonder you're coughing. We're glad you escaped. <laughs> <laughs> now, New Jersey's nice. It's kind of like a suburb of Philadelphia, isn't it? Yeah, it's like uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia are like the same thing. <laughs> right. The people who work in New York live in New Jersey, right? What's that? It's the uh, it's the workers' housing for New York and Philadelphia. And yeah, Philly. that's North Jersey. Oh, okay. I came from South Jersey. It's it's actually like uh, it should be two separate states because they're completely different. So it says here on your website, your goal is to build a vegan empire. Yes, that is, my goal is to build a vegan empire, starting uh, with vegan drinks, Philly. So, uh, actually, beyond um, vegan drinks, Philly. I'm doing a bunch of other stuff down here. I've been uh, doing a lot of freelance writing, uh, you know, speaking for veganism, trying to encourage people to become vegan. Um, And like your co-host, I'm also going to uh, school and I'm studying nutrition, which uh, I'm sure she has probably mentioned to you is not the most vegan-friendly profession. (laughs) Yeah, they were making, or the, I guess one of her, she had to take a biology class where they were dissecting animals and all kinds of crazy yeah, I think, stuff. Didn't she say she was dissecting something last time she uh, was in class? I think she opted out, but, but the classmates were. Yeah, I forget. It was like a fetal pig or something like that. Yeah, it's, it, it's amazing. And then you have to do these like um, clinical rotations where you go into the hospitals and you work with like people who are suffering from heart disease and cancer and diabetes and all of these things that are caused by um, eating animal products. And then, you know, the people come out of surgery and the first meal that they get is like uh, some sausage and eggs or something like that. So oh, nice! it's really troubling to uh, see that going on. But I feel like it's really important to have uh, people that are vegan out there uh, educating themselves so we can, you know, take over the, uh, take over the profession. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. You know, I've, I've always thought of like, uh, the medical profession is characterized by a kind of coarseness, a little cynicism and a lot of inappropriate jokes, uh, to kind right. of desensitize yourself to the things you face every day. Yeah. And I can certainly kind understand. Kind of like the slaughterhouse industry. Not a, yeah, not much different. And, uh, yeah, well, it all, and it keeps the pharmaceutical industry going to, to give people the sausage and eggs when they get out of the hospital. Make sure they'll be back <laughs> soon. Make sure they'll need some cholesterol-lowering medications and and uh, chemotherapy and different pharmaceutical yeah. wonders. Well, I have a friend who's taking a nutrition course in England, and uh, she hasn't mentioned having to do any kind of dissection yet. So I don't know. Yeah, if- you know, I never had to do any uh, dissection myself yet either, but... Uh, if I end up having to, I know that I, I'm like almost 100% sure that in Pennsylvania um, you can opt out of doing any sort of uh, animal dissection and they can't um, hold you responsible for it. So I'll certainly be opting out of that ritual. Yeah, and maybe speaking up against it. Yeah, maybe I'll be like standing outside of the classroom handing out leaflets or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> You have to chain your body to the door so people can't get in. <laughs> so what is the nutritional value of, say, vegan drinks? Yeah. Of vegan drinks? Uh, the nutritional value of that is um, 
<laughs> the nutritional value of that is uh, drinking away your sorrows. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, beer has a lot of calories, I guess. Well, you're, yeah, it's it's a nutrition for the soul more than the the body. I see. Although I'm sure there are some kinds of uh, alcoholic drinks that, you know, they say like red wine reduces uh, something. Oh, (laughs) all kinds of things. (laughs) Existential angst. It's been um, pretty uh, interesting starting that up down here because um, I started it in January and I had first heard about it. I think it started in New York City uh, from supervegan.com they have a blog and everything so that's where i first heard about it and i figured that you know philadelphia had to have one too because uh as as uh involved as i had become uh in advocating for veganism online i didn't really know any other vegans uh real life in my area (laughs) so i figured uh it would be a good way to get people together uh to connect and be able to um, get people around here, you know, uh, hooked up with each other and inspire each other to get involved uh, with different forms of activism because I think that when you feel like you have these uh, other people around you that feel the same way, you're more inclined to do something about it. So I started the first vegan drinks in January, and we've been having it every month since then. Uh, the first time I did it, I thought that, you know, I thought maybe we would have 10 or 15 people show up. And I think about 120 or 130 people showed up to the first one. Wow. And uh, after the first one, the restaurant, it's a vegan restaurant down here. It's called Horizons. Uh, after the first one, they ended up shutting down the restaurant for all the uh, vegan drinks after that because they just couldn't handle the amount of people that were showing up. All the <laughs> vegans were just coming out of the woodwork. So been uh, pretty exciting to realize that there's that many like-minded people uh, just in this little area in Philadelphia. Yeah, they must be really hungry for it. So th- do they already have a bar at this place? Yeah, they do. They actually have like a, um, they have a bar and a lounge downstairs, and then there's an upstairs that has about 40 seats, and there's another bar up there. So the bar downstairs holds about 15 to 20 people. And that's where they stuck us uh, the first month that we had it, when 130 people showed up. (laughs) (laughs) So it got to the point where people couldn't even get into the restaurant, and, you know, the customers that were actually there to have dinner um, couldn't even (laughs) get into the restaurant. So that's why they decided to uh, just open the whole thing up. So every month that we have it, we're pretty, like, packed in there. I imagine it must be two bars. Must be much and nicer now that the entire floor. <laughs> oh my god! Will they have any kind of outdoor seating that they can open up now? Uh, unfortunately, they don't have any outdoor seating there. Jeez, they're going to have to expand. It sounds like. Yeah, they're going to have to do something to accommodate <laughs> us. Because, you know, they're going to have vegans beating down their doors, and I'm sure that's not what they want. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, is there is there a template for this? Is there like, uh, do you have do you have a focus every month, or is it just? vegan drinks show up and meet a lot of vegans is there is there more to it than that well i mean the main goal of it is i've tried to stick to the goal of what um you know the original vegan drinks drinks in new york had um started with it which is basically just to you know get everybody connected and meet other like-minded people but uh, about two months ago i started um trying to do different things with it. I had, 
I had been having musical uh, acts come out every month, so uh, local vegan musicians are coming out to play, uh, and their compensation is free alcohol and vegan food, and they seem to be okay with that. And um, in February, I tried doing a, um, or in March, rather, I tried to do a, uh, a little raffle, so I basically contacted a bunch of vegan companies, and they were uh, more than happy to send me all kinds of uh, gifts and everything, and I raffled them off, and we ended up raising uh, about $327 to split between two local organizations. One was the Humane League of Philadelphia, and the other is uh, Chinoa Farm Animal Sanctuary, which is an awesome uh, farm animal sanctuary right outside of Philadelphia. And then the restaurant uh, donated an extra $100 on top of that. So that was pretty effective. Um, we haven't done another raffle since then, but I'm probably going to work on one for next month. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> so it's it's become a fundraiser. What's it like? I mean, what's what's it like getting drunk with 140 <laughs> vegans? <laughs> I, well, I guess I've been to the Farm Sanctuary Hoedown, so I guess I know a little bit, but I'd love to hear your, your take on it. What, get, getting drunk with a bunch of other vegans? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We I know. imagine there must be a lot of, like, you this know. This is for our listeners. Commiserating. Scott, Scott and, and I know what this is like, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then I told him, yeah, well, you're going to. You're going to die from all that stuff in your bowels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, the interesting thing about it is that um, I didn't want to close the door to other people, and I didn't want it to be exclusive to only vegans. So um, what I've been touting it as is uh, it's open to vegans, vegetarians, and veg-curious. So... <laughs> When the veg curious come in, it's kind of interesting because, Look out. you know, a lot of uh, people, once they get a few drinks and they'll have really, you know, get on their vegan soapbox and people are kind of like, well, you know, you you really should be vegan because of this. And uh, I've had some of the local um, organizations bring leaflets and things like that. So, you know, once those veg curious people come through the door, we can just like shove all kinds of information in their face and. Hopefully, uh, they'll be converted to veganism after a couple of drinks and a couple of leaflets. Yeah, and maybe they'll meet a couple of cute vegans and, uh, you know, find some extra impetus to go vegan. Yeah, maybe they'll run into a vegan sexual that they get a crush on and then they'll have to make a choice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a lot of those out there now. <laughs> hey, have you heard of a uh, group called Public Eye Philly? They... Uh, I don't think so. Oh, there's a there's another vegan group in Philadelphia that um, is kind of art related, and uh, have you heard us talk about our vegan bus project? Vegan bus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get on the vegan bus. When are you guys coming <laughs> down here? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, we're we're we've been talking to this Public Eye Philly, which you can look up publiceyephilly.org. Um, their mission is to produce public events featuring the arts and focused on uh, interactions between human and non-human animals. And um, we're supposed to be uh, part of a July 4th um, barbecue for their kids club in Philadelphia. We're hoping to bring the vegan bus out there. Um, So maybe you can get on it then and we can meet you. And then where are you going after that? <laughs> after that, we're going, <laughs> going to your house for the after party, the vegan drinks uh, 
July 4th bash. Yeah, I think it's okay well, we for... Well, coordinate it so you can stop by <laughs> vegan drinks and pick up all the drunk vegans and then take us all uh, <laughs> some after party or something. <laughs> okay. That's a di- well, if you, if you could have a vegan drinks on July 4th, maybe we could do that. Go yeah, watch, maybe we can. So do you know fireworks. where you're coming to in Philadelphia? Um, I don't have the details yet. We we should talk off, off the air about that uh, later on probably, but... Um, it'll be, uh, for our listeners, it'll be being announced on our Vegan Bus website pretty soon. Um, we're still working out the details. Okay, yeah, maybe we can uh, work something out. Maybe we can, like, get together in front of the Liberty Bell or something like that. And <laughs> <laughs> Have a vegan uh, Something crazy that'll attract in. all kinds of people. Yeah, well, I'm up for it. <laughs> maybe we'll have a vegan drinks here and... What's that? <laughs> Maybe we could we could have we could have vegan drinks in in both uh, Northampton and Philadelphia at the same time, and we could like drunk dial each other, drunk dial each other. Oh my god! We could have a conference. Yeah, call. yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Maybe like you know, vegan drunk driving the vegan bus. <laughs> oh no, we can't do that. <laughs> That's right. We draw the line there. We have to get a straight edge driver. <laughs> well, that might be me by then. Who knows? <laughs> I'm you know I'm purifying now so. So your other website is um, eatingconsciously.com. Do you want to give us a rundown of what that's about? Yeah, it's basically um, a blog that I started about, uh, been like a little over a year ago now. Um, And I started the blog like right when I was just becoming vegan. And I started posting all the recipes of uh, food I would cook for myself because... um, I have this problem where, well, it's not really a problem, but I refuse to follow any recipe, and I feel a need that no matter what I make, I have to make it up myself, or else I'm just like, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what my problem is, but I can, I just have this thing where I, it's like obsessive compulsive. I just cannot follow somebody else's recipe; it has to be my own. So I figured uh, I should start a blog and start putting my recipes up there. So uh, I've been doing that for about a year now, and I have, like, a collection of recipes up there. And I also go on all kinds of, like, uh, vegan rants and raves on my website. Uh, Right now I'm giving away a cookbook from uh, PETA. It's the Vegan College Cookbook. I'm actually giving away two cookbooks on there, so I've had a lot of responses to that. But um, right now I'm pretty much uh, compiling a bunch of recipes together. And I am uh, working on an ebook that's going to come out on July 1st, and it'll be available on my blog. So I have a lot of testers that have been working on my recipes for that, and we're uh, not that far away from having that put out. And uh, hopefully, that'll initiate, you know, some kind of um, actual published book form. <laughs> that'll be great. Can I? Will I be able to get it on my Kindle? Uh, I hope so. I don't know. Can you do ebooks on the Kindle? Yeah, they got some stuff for that. So keep. Yeah, I'll have to like check it out because right now I'm just doing the ebook all by myself, um, and then I'm like, I'm open to uh, talking to publishers at this point. So well, I'm uh, kind of like scoping that field out and see like who's uh, interested in publishing in the next vegan cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> the next big thing. The next big thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's your what's your emphasis in there? On the book? Yeah, what kind of... Basically, re- um, 
the emphasis is that I try to keep everything like really easy and simple because I mean I'm going to school full time and I'm working a full time job and run this whole Deacon Empire down here, so I'm uh, <laughs> trying to you know make dinner in less than uh, 20 minutes. So I'm trying to make it really easy for people, and I'm also trying to. Um, have recipes that have a lot of overlap, so they use a lot of the same ingredients. Uh, that way, you know, it's not um, extremely costly for people because if there's one thing I hate, it's when, you know, you find some recipe and then you have to run to the store and buy, like, 25 things just to make that recipe, and it ends up costing you, like, $65 to make uh, one dinner. So <laughs> I try to, you know, overlap all the ingredients and make it really cheap and easy for people. Very nice. Are all your recipes like uh, a little bit of onion, a couple of tiny bits of, uh, I mean, are you using, uh, you know, I know you're, you like to just mix it up, but are you actually putting in like good quant- measurements? You know, measurements and things? Yeah, yeah, there's actually measurements <laughs> and things. <laughs> My God. <laughs> it's technologically it must sound. Be, must be very unnatural for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I kind of cook like that, too, and I always have in the back of my mind, like, if I was going to remember this recipe or, or write it down for somebody, how would I do it? Uh, well, yeah, that's been, like, pretty, um, that's, like, funny that you mentioned that because that was, like, one of the problems I ran into when I started doing the blog because I would make all this awesome food and I would take pictures of it, and then I'd, like, sit down and write the recipe out, and I'm like, wait, I can't remember what I put in this because I'm just standing <laughs> in my kitchen throwing a bunch of stuff into a pot. And here I have this awesome picture, and I know I just had, like, this uh, fantastic recipe the night before, but I can't remember anything that I put into it. <laughs> yeah, you have to do, like, before and after pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know we know a couple of vegan chefs, and they're, they're similar. They're just like, I, I don't know, I just picked up what was there, and it turned into this, and there you go. And uh, Well, I mean, now I've been keeping a little notebook in my kitchen, so, you know, whenever I um, write stuff, like start making something i write it down and i try to even though maybe i'm not measuring what i put in there i try to use my uh best estimate of you know amounts of what i'm putting in there all right you sound like a natural (laughs) (laughs) so you also um do some writing for the vegetarian resource group yeah i do i write for um the vegetarian resource group uh which has been really awesome because um feel like they're kind of like a hidden gem in the vegan movement uh since i've been uh involved with them i've just noticed how much information they have on their website and how like uh credible and scientifically sound their information is which is good for me because i can bring that uh information up when i talk to a lot of the uh dietitians that aren't veg friendly that i have to work with yeah um so i started uh interning with them about a year ago and then i started writing stuff for their journal, and now I'm writing uh, for American Vegan Journal, and then I feel like I'm taking on this whole like freelance writing kind of thing, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's a great thing. I, I think v- uh, the Vegetarian Resource Group, they, they're an excellent resource, and you know, their stuff is very down-to-earth and not like uh, they're not you know going out on a limb with the health benefits of veganism. They're kind of like Yes, veganism can be very healthy, but it you, you also have to pay attention to what you're eating and 
Um, I think th- I think their their major drawback is uh, graphic design. They have their website and their their magazine. Yeah, you their know, magazine looks to, like 1970. I'm trying to uh, help them out with that. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm going to start helping them with their social networking. Uh, I'm going to get them on Twitter and Facebook. So hopefully that'll help with that. But um, I hear they're working on a new website. So hopefully that'll. Uh, they're working with a new web designer, I guess. Yeah, that, so, that's what they need. Yeah, it's like opinion. it's a little outdated. The website looks like it's from 1995, but <laughs> you know the information is solid. So yeah, well, and their and their magazine has always looked like it was from a different era too. It's kind of got yeah, the like retro it needs a little updating. I think they need to they need to uh, get get in touch with the modern vegan. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but definitely the but information they have there. is great. I think they're getting there, and I think a lot of the information that they have is. Um, like I said, it's really like scientific, credible information. But like you said, they they do incorporate a lot of ethics into there too. So I think that that's really cool. And all the vegan dietitians I've gotten to work uh, with, who work with them, have been uh, really awesome. And just you know, getting um, getting the word out there and doing their own thing, and basically not being afraid to stand up against the medical community and be ethical in their choices and what they decide to eat. Yeah, well, there's an. Uh, fortunately, that that hopefully that fight will get a lot easier uh, as more yeah, information hopefully. becomes available, and maybe you know, I don't know. We got to learn information. We always take a long time to catch up to what we know, right? In this society, but it's getting better. <clears throat> so I'm looking on your uh, your website right now. There's a a post about vegan scrapple. Yeah, there's this. <laughs> There's this awesome company down here that I just found out about. I, I mean, I say company, but it's really one lady doing the whole thing. It's called Rapple. And, um, With a V, V-R-A-P-P-L-E. Yeah, V-R-A-P-P-L-E. And she's uh, making this vegan Scrapple, and I actually went to the Scrapple Fest in Philadelphia <laughs> where they had like 20 different kinds of Scrapple, and I'm like, okay, I'm... Really here to only taste the uh, brapple, so <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it can all back <laughs> off. But all right, we we don't have that around here. Can you explain for our listeners what scrapple is? What scrapple is? Yeah, scrapple is what scrapple sounds like. It's all the uh, scraps from the pork industry, and they grind it all up together and put some seasonings in it. It's basically like the same thing as a. Uh, I guess it's like the same thing as sausage or something like that, like uh, chitlins or something, and. It's usually in a br- like a brick form, like spam. Like they like press it together, and then people slice it up and fry it for breakfast. So the concept itself is pretty disgusting, but the uh, the vegan scrapple is pretty awesome. It's basically seitan, and I think they just add like some herbs and spices to it, trying to mimic uh, what the scrapple people are doing. And uh, <laughs> word on the street is that it pretty it tastes pretty similar to scrapple. I've never had. The real scrapple, so I'm not sure like how it compares, but I like it. Whoa, you just passed the best scrapple in Penna. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, th- I think the thing with with stuff like that is it sounds very similar to hot dogs and uh, sausage and things, where that you know it's it is a lot of waste products from the meat industry, and then they add spices to, to disguise the disgusting flavor. So, so um, imitating it is more about the spices than about the than imitating the the waste products off the slaughterhouse floor. Right. Yeah, it is pretty much like uh, the same thing. Um, 
I'm surprised they don't add any spices to milk. <laughs> <laughs> Does it really need them? Well, with all that pus, it has a nice, uh, that nice fatty <laughs> flavor that people crave. Plus, if you just let it sit, it gains a whole new kind of you know nuance. Yeah. Yeah. When this culture start going in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Turns mm. into some, some good nice, stuff. Uh, yogurt for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We've run the gamut today. We have indeed. I I actually went to um, Edinburgh, Scotland before and had vegan haggis. I wow. imagine that would be something like Vrapple. Vrapple. Yeah, they probably go hand in hand. Um, Vagus. It doesn't, I don't know, maybe you can like relate. It doesn't really have much flavor to it. All I can taste is the spices that are in there. It's kind of like, I think there must be like some maple syrup in it or something because it's kind of like almost sweet. <laughs> oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'm gonna have to try making some of that myself. <laughs> Vrapple. Vrapple. Oh no. I'll use a little tempeh, and I'll just I'll mix all the vegan ingredients together, and we'll see what ha- <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, and we- the funniest part about um, vegan Scrapple is the lady that made it is not even vegan or vegetarian, but she, oh, really? uh, <laughs> she's into the whole you know local. Um, you she's, know, that she's one of those local vor thing. things. Yeah, <laughs> I see. And she, uh, it, I guess she herself was pretty much repulsed by the idea of scrapple. And I think she had some vegetarian friends that like wanted to enjoy it, but couldn't eat the scrapple anymore. I mean, I don't know why you would want to enjoy something <laughs> like that. But <laughs> well, after <laughs> she, uh, chitlins, you know, she people went are out weird. On a limb and she made it up for her friends, and then she just. People loved it, and she started selling it. And, you know, when I went to the Scrapple Fast, uh, the Vrapple actually won second place. That's amazing. Now what we need is vegan lutefisk. (laughs) Which, if you don't know what that is... Vegan head cheese. uh, You might want to Google it now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I think the vegan market has not been saturated with faux meats yet. I also think they need to start making uh, fake chicken wings with re- with uh, little veins in them made out of, like, seaweed or something. Really? So it has that real chicken feel. With little veins and, like, pieces of cartilage in there. <laughs> yeah, vegan cartilage, vegan veins. we got to come up with this stuff. That's tough. Because there's some meat eaters that really like that stuff. we got to win them over. Yeah, we're going to need There's some... a place down here near Philadelphia that makes vegan chicken wings, and instead of, uh, in replace of the bone, they put this, like, big piece of... Uh, wood in the middle of it <laughs> yeah 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 we've had that we've got that uh oh, like the first time i ate it i went and just like bit right into it and almost broke <laughs> my tooth on it like, oh man <laughs> well we're going to be inventing some bristle i think is going to be the next thing bristle and, <laughs> and, and well, vus. Ve- veins already start with v <laughs> we're gonna have to think of something bristle and vus <laughs> uh yeah maybe we can make the veins out of like some kelp or something like that yeah i think seaweed has has kind of that veiny thing yeah, and yeah, plus it's, hard, it's chewy. Texture. I don't know what we would do for the cartilage. Maybe like <laughs> some agar powder or something like that. <laughs> to keep working on that. Well, Ed, we're out of time. Um, All right. But it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And uh, yeah. we're going to maybe try some vegan drinking here. Or vegan drinks, I mean. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll stay in touch about the July 4th thing. Maybe we can make it into even more of an event. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, good luck with your extraordinary veganism, and <laughs> and your vegan kingdom, and your vegan kingdom in your, Philly, your empire, the empire. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. See you later.
All right, and once again, we're closing out the show with Dennis Cromitz, the uh, Murders, Murders of, of Cook, Cook Farm. Farm, and it's, uh, it's Dennis's birthday. Today? We'd like to wish him a, a happy one. Is that true? It is. Happy birthday, Dennis. This is for you. Unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken. Well, we'll wish him happy birthday anyway. Um, so you've been listening to Vegan Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, Valley Free Radio. Check us out on the web, veganradio.com. Uh, I forgot to mention we have some events coming up. Um, Look them up. But we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and good night. Thank you, and good night. Okay, Scotty, we're off the air. Now we can talk about these vegan events to our podcast listeners. Oh, thank goodness. It's about time. <laughs> oh, I've been meaning to let let my hair down. Just kind of chill out and <laughs> do some podcasty things. Um, yeah, so... What's going on? We've got uh, Lewis Ledford coming to Cafe Evolution on <clears throat> May 19th. Doors are going to be open at 5.30. We're going to have a vegan diner theme. Yep. Vegan diner food. So check them out if you want and to hear them. Lewis Ledford is like an acoustic. We played him on our last show. Maybe I'll play him at the end of this show. Um, he's kind of mellow, acoustic-y guy. Mm-hmm. And then to counterbalance that, on Thursday the 21st of uh, May, we have our favorite all-time vegan band, Beloved binge, oh yeah, coming to the Sierra Grill. Yeah, a great venue, um, a great room. Uh, definitely come. Don't miss these guys there. They've amazing. been having uh, Thursday nights. They have this indie rock thing called Reanimate the Bay State. Um, and there's going to be two other vegan bands with them. Wow. The uh, our friend uh, Mark Sheehan. At Sierra Grill hooked us up with uh, by booking two other vegan bands to go with Beloved Bench. Um, the headliner is going to be Aaron B. and the True Believers. And another band, V.O. Meyer from Rhode Island will be playing. What's it called? V.O. V.I.O. slash M.I.R.E. Oh. It looks like it could be two people's names. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> it's a 21 and up show $2 to get in There's, And Vegan Bus, we're going to have a table there Uh-huh Uh, yeah Uh, once again, don't, don't, don't miss Beloved Binge You don't, you don't want to miss Beloved Binge That's right <laughs> Even if you don't, if, if you're one of our Australian listeners You should come here and come to the show Serious Put it on Rupert's tab And, uh, June 27th Rocky and the Cavemen at the Northampton Center for the Arts. Middle Eastern drumming sensation Rocky. Back to Northampton. This will be our second fundraiser with Rocky, and the first one was our uh, best money raising fundraiser. Yeah, it was really great. Um, we had such a turnout, we had no idea that so many people were going to come, and we had standing room only, and it was awesome. And we're also going to be having some drum workshops and other events throughout that weekend. Mm hmm. You can check theveganbus.com for info and updates about that. Oh, look, we outlasted the song. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We love you. Yep. Oh, more Dennis. Come back again. Dennis Kermit. We're going to be dancing to Dennis. Dancing to Dennis. Um, so, people, 
check us out. <laughs> and uh, we can always use some volunteers or donations if you want to go to our website and hook us up with yourself. We love you. Bye-bye. Stay up. Maybe we could have, have just one night of quiet and no more killing. Where no one screams, no animal shouts, and it is peaceful on all farms. You, you are the slow, slow wreckers of a beautiful life. This is Beloved Binge, and you are listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM. Also available at the Pacifica Radio Network and podcasting at veganradio.com. Every year you're given 2,000 cows, chickens, pigs, fish, a life of Listen to Vegan Radio all the time.
Can we tell the truth? You are so aloof. Oh, I heard you coming from a mile away, singing free at last. 